Welcome, everybody, to the Kona Shane Veterinary Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andy Rourke. Guys, I'm here today with one and only Sherry Gilmartin. She is the head of data services at VetSource, and uh, they're working with 6,500 practices across the industry. And I'm going to talk to her about the data from 6,500 practices that came out in 2022. I want to understand what's going on in practices, what the big industry trends are, what the revenue trends are, what the uh, what the pet owner trends are. And I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to do is get a clear picture of what 2023 might look like. Guys, this is a great conversation. Um, it's a lot of mixed uh, mixed messaging, which of course, that's, that's life. That's the real world. Uh, uh, visits by pet owners just down, our revenues up, uh, prices are up. Um, you know, what, what does that mean? Can we keep going that way? Can we keep losing pet owners coming in and just increase the prices? Like we all know that, that at some point that doesn't work anymore. Uh, when is that gonna happen? Uh, what can we do to reverse the trend? Where are these pet owners going? That's, uh, that's all stuff we get into. It's a really good conversation. Guys, I hope you'll enjoy it. Let's get into this episode. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke. Welcome to the podcast, Sherry Gilmartin. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Oh, it's, it is my pleasure. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while now. I So you are, for people who don't know, uh, you are a certified veterinary technician. You are the head of data services at VetSource. And um, I was introduced to you through our mutual friend, uh, Emily Tincher, and uh, Dr. Emily Tincher. And, um, and I was talking to her about this desire that I have to sort of be able to look into 2023 and get a pretty, a, a better feel of, of where our industry is going. And so I start trying to make some 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 better predictions about what the future is going to be like. And we were sort of talking about, you know, the best way to see the future is to look at the past. And she recommended you as someone who has a lot of insight into the trends in our industry and what's happening. And so I was hoping that you and I could talk today and here uh, in, you know, the first two weeks of January, uh, if we could look back at 2022, and I, I'm, I'm interested in your rundown of kind of the industry as you saw it, and the trends that you thought were really interesting, and the ones that you think will kind of define maybe what 2023 might look like. Yeah, good question. Um, so I'm happy to be here and appreciate Emily connecting us. Um, you know, I have access to uh, 6,500 practices, the data from 6,500 practices. Uh, we provide uh, data services, analytics, and reporting to these practices, and and we've, you know, aggregated it to get a sense of, of what's happening a, a, across the industry. And, uh, you know, looking back at, at 22, um, you know, certainly it, it was a, it, an interesting year, right? Decline in, in visits across practices, uh, you know, beginning in January and continuing through December, um, an increase in revenue. But we know that practices had multiple revenue increases last year. Um, and so when we look, you know, toward the end of the year, we're seeing that revenue was up, you know, 5%, which is, is lower than the price increases that were taken last year. So, sure. you know, when we compare it to the prior year, we see that we were down in 2022 compared to 2021. Now, that being said, you know, we really do need to, to dig in a bit deeper because 2021 was an exceptional year um, and we okay. had tremendous growth. And so it's, you would expect level setting, right? And so it's hard to, to, to look at that and, and be able to predict what's going to happen in, in 2023. Certainly the yeah. economy is, is going to play a, a big part there in, in what happens. Um, but I think the takeaway for me is we really do need to be t- paying close attention to the numbers 
um, because we need to be more proactive and less reactive as we were in 2020, for example. Okay. Let's let's start to break some of this apart. Um, so so 2021 was a huge huge growth year, sort of coming out of the pandemic and the world sort of opening back up and big demands and and pandemic puppies and kittens and things like that. Um, when you look at um, when you look at sort of 2022, has there has there been a time that you've looked at it and said, let's take 2021 out of out of the out of the equation? Is, is there any attempt to sort of normalize what this might look like if we pretend the pandemic years? 2020, 2021 didn't happen. Does that look more mm-hmm. normal? Like if there was just a, bl- a hole in the data, would they look much more smooth? Or uh, is there any way to sort of try to predict of, of what, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, is what does sort of um, level setting look like? And, and have we done that? Yeah, good question. So, and, and it's hard, right? So the, the data that we have for practices, we have uh, data back to, you know, 2018, 2019. Um, And so 2020 was also an interesting year because we had everybody on lockdown in, you know, March and April. So the the numbers for 2020 are are kind of skewed by that. And so when you compare 2021 to 2020, you have, you know, some outpaced growth there. Um, If we go back to 2019, right, and I look at, at things like uh, appointments and unique patients, uh, revenue per patient uh, back in 2019, 2022 is pretty comparable to 2019. Mm-hmm. So if we took the pandemic years out of it, um, you know, it, it it certainly takes away some of the, the doom and gloom that people might feel when they look at the 2022 numbers. Um, it's There's still a lot of good things happening, uh, you know, at, at the patient level and at Cross practices overall. Looking back, you know, pre-pandemic. Yeah. Okay. That that makes me feel better. I, I do. I do like that. That's actually what I was looking for. Is how does this match up to like 2019? Let's talk talk a little bit about decreasing visits. So you said this really sort of started in Jan, in January 2022. We're we're starting to see this decrease in visits. What are you? What is your perception of the drivers of this decrease? Yeah, that's a good question. And so that's and that's a challenge with data because we can see what's happening, but really understanding the why—that's where you know you have to speculate a bit. Um, and it's probably a, a combination of things. And I think you know, for me, the the workforce challenges that practices have faced um, is a significant part of that. Um, you know, many practices have uh, are down doctors don't have enough support staff um, and have had to reduce the number of available appointments as a result. Um, so certainly that plays plays into it. And then, you know, there's also a little bit of culture shift happening where practices are, are really focused on preventing burnout, um, trying to preserve the staff that they do have um, and have extended appointment times, um, you know, not seeing as many walk-ins or agreeing to see, you know, add-on appointments at the end of the day. So there's a whole host of things that that can contribute to that. Well, I didn't hear you say there's economy concerns. There's uh, people uh, people deciding that they their pet doesn't need uh, wellness visits to the vet. Things like that is is that type of consumer driven? Because what you just said is, is very much veterinary side driven. Which makes some sense to me. Like I, I, I work with a lot of practices who have, um, who, who don't have the capacity. They have a capacity problem, 
And so they're saying, we can't, we can't see this many patients. And so if you said, well, you're, your patient numbers are down. And they said, well, I was five vets and now I'm three vets. Of course they're down. And I would say that that makes sense. And when you talk about the health of the practice, it's not really bad. You know, there's nothing wrong with running a three vet practice that is at maximum capacity um, as long as you, as long as you, it's a well-run practice and it's profitable and you're taking care of your people. There's nothing magical about, uh, you know, more vets is better. I, I, I don't, it depends, I guess it depends on your worldview, but um, but to me, a three vet practice where the people are healthy and happy, they are going to see fewer appointments. But that's not a that doesn't mean that they're failing. It means that they actually have as much business as they can do. So, uh, so talk talk to me a little bit about that. Is is are there things that 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 appear to be on the pet owner client side uh, that are that are pushing this? Yeah. So you know, I don't I don't think people are going to stop seeking veterinary care, right? I think, you know, so we think about the economy and, and we know that the economy, you know, is slowing and it's unknown yet if we're going to go into a recession in, in 2023. Um, but ahead of that, we know that people cut back on spending. We know that, you know, consumer spending was up in 2021. People weren't going out as much, you know, after COVID, you know, they, they had more money to spend as a result. They were with their pets uh, more often. And, and so they were spending more uh, at their veterinarian in 2020 and 2021. We know that people are starting to, to pull back on spending. And if we you know think about it, a slowing economy, I don't think people are going to stop going to the veterinarian. Their pets still need care. We know that they're part of the family now. And so that will happen. But they will look for lower cost alternatives, potentially. Yeah. And they will, you know, for some elective services, uh, they may say, you know, I'm going to skip that that blood work this year or I'm going to skip that yeah. people this year. So I think that, you know, from an, an economy perspective, we will um, potentially see lower revenue per patient. Um, but I don't think that, you know, if, if your pet is sick or, you know, your pet needs their vaccinations, yeah. I think people are going to We're not going to see a decline in visits from that. Um, we may see the time between visits be a bit longer, right? So the other thing with visits is, you know, it, and it's not just service visits. When we look at visits, we're also looking at um, invoices that may just be for product purchases, right? I needed food or I needed mm -hmm. uh, prevention for my pet. And so, you know, those are counted as visits. And so when we look at the decline in visits, it's, you know, almost like touch points, right? With the, with the pet. Right. Um, and could be uh, more than one visit per year for that patient. It could be, you know, people coming in to, to purchase supplies. And so that is down overall, right? So there's, yeah. there's, 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 again, there's a bunch of different factors. And so um, I think that active patients, you know, patients that are part of your practice, that probably hasn't changed and it hadn't, has grown over time, but length between visits, you know, maybe looking to get some of their medications through online pharmacies. We're, we're certainly seeing an increase in that, and that's contributing to a, a decline in visits. To address your, your comment about, you know, hey, we were a five-doctor practice, and now we're three, but we're, we're profitable, and, and maybe that's okay. Um, you know, th there's, certainly, there's certainly truth to that, and, and it's about profitability at, at the end of the day, for sure. Um, I think, you know, with that, um, if you're... We're still providing good customer service. Your clients are, are happy. 
um, that's going to be reflected in, in your revenue and your profitability. And, and, and so that makes sense. Um, I think that, you know, part of the challenge with practices is they may be down a doctor, but they're still trying to see those patients. Yes. I, and that, I think that is a big driver of a lot of sort of uh, wellness and burnout problems that we see. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's, that's kind of why right. I say that is, uh, you know, it, you can, you can work at capacity of vibrant practice and then work at capacity at a three vet practice. But what you can't do is be a three vet practice working at a five vet practice capacity. And I see a lot of people trying to do that and it ends badly. And so I, I, I yeah. do see that. I, I do think that's a big driver sort of our burnout. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that it is hard to look at practices across a group of practices and tease out um, what actual examinations are doing year to year. And I'm just guessing that it's because every vet practice codes their examinations differently. But I, I guess why I'm saying that is when you say this and you say, well, you know, it includes, it includes food and includes uh, parasiticide pr- uh, purchase and stuff like that. I go, okay, that's interesting. I'd love to strip all that stuff out and say, how many times are veterinarians putting their hands on the pets? And, and what is, and what is, what is uh, the change like there? I'm, I'm, is, am I correct in saying that's really hard to look at because of how practices code and record uh, these, you know, veterinarian interactions differently? Yeah. So every single practice has their own unique set of codes and descriptions for their services. And you would be amazed at how many, you know, different ways you could describe, you know, Sempericotrio, for example. Like it's, you yeah. know, you could find thousands of, of different descriptions. It is neat. Um, we are able to, we, we've spent years uh, normalizing data from practices so that we can, you know, be able to, to identify exams or visits where they're just coming in to buy product and what that product is. And so uh, we, we've done a lot of work over the past 10 years to normalize practice data to be able to, pro- to provide these insights. So when we, we look at practice data, um, regardless of what the practice has for an exam, and there's there's rechecks and then there's, you yeah. know, pre-surgical exams and then there's well visits and sick visits. We are able to see that all of those uh, were exams and something that the patient had to be present for. So we are able to separate that versus something like a product only visit. Um, so we usually categorize uh, visits as um, a well visit and we categorize a well visit as they've had a vaccination on the invoice. Okay. We know that that's not perfect, yeah. but we feel like it's as close as we can get. We know yeah. that there's going to be exams uh, that the patient didn't need vaccines or on a three-year protocol, um, but we're using that as our as our identifier for a well visit versus an invoice where there was no vaccination, uh, no heart room test. We're going to say, okay, that was a sick visit. And then if there's no exam, we'll say, okay, this was for product only, where they're just coming in to buy drugs and medication supplies. So I can tell you, like, all visits are down across practices. Yeah, okay. And okay. When I say this, all visits are down. Note that this is the average across all practices. So there are some that are up. There are some that are down more than, than what we're seeing. That's the average. We see um, sick and well visits are down. But what's actually down the most is is product-only visits. Those have, have huh. the biggest decline from the prior year. Yeah. Is, is the assumption that those products are not getting picked up or that they're getting picked up from a non-veterinary channel? Or do you have, a, yeah. or do you have an opinion? Yeah, no, I, I suspect that those that those uh, transactions are going to third party online pharmacies. Yeah. Okay. 
just check in. Now, I was, I was going to jump into like the, you know, the whole efficiency thing, right? Like we talked about capacity and, and there is a workforce shortage and, and practices, uh, many practices are over capacity or at capacity. Um, and so, you know, the thing, one of the things that we talk about often is, is efficiencies and, um, you know, both for pet owners and for practices, right? It's more efficient for a pet owner to be able to have their product shipped to their home than to have to, you know, go, go run one more errand. And, and from a practice perspective, you know, practices that have their own online pharmacies and leverage it appropriately and, you know, market it and promote it with their pet owners, they don't have to touch that either, right? It goes right to the pet owner. So it's making, helping make them more efficient. So, um, you know, thinking about efficiencies to increase our capacity without having to add headcount is something that we really need to focus on in 2023. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big believer in that. Direct ship, auto ship, things like that that we can set up uh, through the practices. I mean, it just, it's the, the pet owners like it. Uh, it, it makes sense for us. It, it, it's good for, it's good for our workforce and, and being able to keep our capacity and, and still uh, put our hands on pets and do, and do the, the work that matters. Uh, so I, I completely agree with that. Hey guys, I just want to hop in really quick and give a quick plug. The Uncharted Veterinary Conference is coming in April. Guys, I founded the Uncharted Veterinary Conference in 2017. It is a one-of-a-kind conference. It is all about business. It is about internal communications, working effectively inside your practice if you're a leader. That means you can be a medical director. It means you can be an associate vet who really wants to work well with your technicians. It means you can be a head technician, a head CSR. You can be a practice owner, practice manager, multi-site manager multi-site uh, medical director. We work with a lot of those people. This is all about building systems, setting expectations to work effectively with your people. Guys, Uncharted is a peer mentorship conference. That means that we come together and there is a lot of discussion. We create a significant percentage of the uh, schedule, the agenda at the event, which means we're going to talk about the things that you are interested in. Uh, it is, always, as I said, business communication focused, but uh, lots of freedom inside that to make sure that you get to talk about what you want to talk about. We really prioritize people being able to have one-on-one -on -one conversations, to pick people's brains, to get advice from people who have wrestled with the problems that they are currently wrestled with. We make all that stuff happen. If you want to come to a conference where you do not sit and get lectured at, but you work on your own practice, your own challenges, your own growth and development. That's what Uncharted is. Take a chance. Give us, uh, give us a look. Come and check it out. It is in April. I'll put a link in the show notes for registration. Um, ask anybody who's been. It's something special. All right, let's get back into this episode. Let's talk a little bit about the, the pricing increases that we see on the other side of this. So we see visits going down, but we see pricing coming up. So that basically we end up with, uh, you know, you said about a 5% increase in revenue, I think, uh, 2022 over 2021. And uh, so, so mm -hmm. talk to me a little bit about that. Are there trends in price increases uh, that, that you're seeing? Are these generally being done yeah. in, in large jumps? Are there anything that you just kind of look at it from, from a from a picture of what's going on perspective, how does that how does that break down? What's the nuance in those numbers? Yep. So if we look at last year, we saw that on average practices had about an eight and a half to nine percent increase in prices. Okay. But what's interesting is we saw that the overall impact on practice revenue was lower than it has been in the past. And if we look back at 2021 and 2020, Practices had about a four and a half to five percent increase on prices, but the impact on revenue was, you know, ten percent, and that is because of 
the reduction in, in visits and patients per practice, right? So right. We're, we're seeing higher price increases, but a lower impact on revenue because our visits are down. And so we, we did an analysis a, a few years ago when we said, what's a, a stronger um, driver of, of practice revenue growth? Is it a higher ACT or is it more visits per year per patient? And what we found is, well, well, both will contribute to revenue growth, obviously. Having more visits per year per patient is going to be a stronger revenue driver for the practice overall. Um, And so similar to what we saw last year, we higher price increases, but lower uh, revenue growth because we had fewer visits. And so, um, you know... it, it, it's interesting because as you know, the decline in visits has happened over the last 12 months. It's going to, it's already continuing in the beginning of January. If the economy, you know, we're seeing uh, uh, potentially a recession, you know, we expect that we're going to continue to see a, a decline in visits. And so the reaction from practices is going to be, well, we have to increase prices to maintain revenue. And mm-hmm. then at what point and after how many price increases the pen owners start to, you know, have some sticker shock and then that yeah. further, you know, drives a, a reduction in visits. Well, that, that was going to be my next question. So I had Fritz Wood on, uh, who's a financial sort of advisor for the industry and for veterinarians. And, and we talked a bit about setting prices in vet medicine. And he talked a lot about price elasticity. And it sounds like that's kind of mm-hmm. what you're getting into is the pricing is, is, is elastic to a point, um, where, where you can increase the prices and pet owners will con- continue to pay them. But at some point, there's a place where pet owners start to balk at the prices and say, well, I'm not, I'm not paying, <laughs> I'm not paying this. Um, do you think that there, I mean, are there, are there benchmarks that you look at that uh, that signal to you when we're reaching a point of price inelasticity? Do you think that there is an ability, a capacity to continue to raise prices for another year like this? Or do you think that 2023 is going to be the year that patterners go, no, I can't, I'm not doing this? Yeah, you know, that, that, that's a good question. Um, you know, we certainly, when we look at, you know, the per- average percent price increase on a, on a service, um, and mm-hmm. in 2022, you know, the it was a larger increase on professional services, right? I think for, for our products, for the most part, we're just passing on any price increases from the manufacturers. Um, but then the, the price increases that we saw, you know, last year were predominantly on, on professional services. Um, and we then will look to see, you know, how many um, invoices did that service then continue to appear on, right? To try to get a sense of, after that price increases, did owners start saying no to that? Um, Interesting. You know, yeah. And um, I think, it, you know, when we look at compliance numbers from last year, compliance with wellness care, so vaccinations and, and heartworm tests um, and annual blood work and fecals, compliance is actually up across the board. So we're seeing the pet owners that are coming in continuing to uh, say yes to services for their pet, which is which is a great thing. Yeah. Um, but we're seeing the decline in visits. So to answer the question about, you know, at, w- at what point does impact, I think that people will continue to come in. People want to provide good care to, the, to their pets. It's, you know, that situation where your, your pet is shaking their head and you want to, you think, okay, every time I go to the veterinarian, it costs me $500. So mm-hmm. can I get away with not going? for this head shaking mm-hmm, right sure. now? Can I phone a friend? Can I do a Google search? Like, you know, what? how can I get away with not going? And so that probably will continue, continue to impact the, the visits. Yeah, that 
that makes sense to me. I I have two friends and they're arguing right now. And one of them says that there are things we can do in efficiency and in home delivery with our pharmacy that can keep us cost competitive. And that is a battle worth fighting. And I have another friend and they're both very smart people. And the other friend says, uh, we should let this go. We should increase the prices on our professional services, our diagnostics, and and let uh, a lot of the product services go. Or, or, or I mean, he, and his position is rather extreme. He's like, well, I think we should get out of this product business. Um, I listen to the two of them argue, and they both have some good points. And um, I'm curious, where do you fall in this argument? Yeah, I, I agree with you that you know, they both have good points, right? If you just look at percentage of total revenue from professional services, obviously it's uh, it's a lot higher. It's a you know, bigger piece of your business and, and your margins are higher there. At the same time, your product sales are 25% of your revenue. And so if you let them go, you have to increase the prices on your professional services to make up for that. And we know that pet owners get sticker shock, right? Yeah. You know, we, we spend, when we're thinking about implementing price increases for 2023, you know, the VHMA is a great uh, resource in, in terms of strategic pricing and as, you know, really being um, intentional with your price increases as opposed to just doing like a blanket price increase across the board um, to, to try to reduce any, any sticker shock, um, but still having a significant impact on your practice revenue. Um, I, I think that, um, not only is it the product purchases of a big percentage of your total revenue, but it's it's like destination shopping, right? Like mm-hmm. you need to get prevention, you need to get food, you need to get you know your glucosamine supplements, and um, having those the penners are going to do that and having them get it from you and having those touch points, whether it be through your online store or whether it be coming into your practice it's maintaining that relationship and that total service for the pet. So, well, I think that they both have good points. If I own the practice, I, I would try and compete. I would, <laughs> I, I would try and compete and, and, and try yeah. to keep that, that business um, to the best I can. And there's tools for practices to be able to compete. Oh, I agree. I, I'm, 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 I'm split down the middle. I think I, I really go back and forth. I say I am generally a pro competition uh, guy. I think, uh, I think there's a lot of things that we can do. I think there's good communication. I think there's a lot of, like I said, uh, auto ship, direct home delivery, things like that. I think there's a, uh, I think convenience is a huge deal for a lot of people. I think there, there's some things that are going to be really hard to keep. Um, I, I don't think it's all or none. I think it's about having a smart strategy about where you can be competitive, where you bring the best value, where you can support pet owners and, and, and making things as simple and convenient for them as possible. I think that that's, I think that there, there's, there's a lot of good strategy in that. I also hear my friend who says, you know, um, we should charge for our, for our knowledge and our intellect, you know, and our, and our, and our hands-on services, because those are the things that, that, that we really excel at that other people can't do. So I, I, I to me, this is very much a happy medium. I was just kind of curious as to where, where you fell in it. And I also thought it's sort of an interesting way to kind of ask you what your advice would be, uh, for, for practices and how, how, if you had one, you would, you would approach this. So that's, that's why I wanted to put that out to you. Well, you know, if you, I think most practices today, you know, have an online pharmacy or an, an offer home delivery, but they don't promote it. If you asked their clients, if their clients knew that they had home delivery and online store, 
I, I, maybe yeah. and I'm being generous, maybe half of them, you know, yeah. might say, Oh, that, you know, so they don't, they don't promote it. And when you think about, you know, the, the third party pharmacies that are out there, they have like yeah. heavy marketing, right? I mean, you're getting bills yeah. and, and retargeting as in social media. I mean, they are all over the place marketing to, to your clients. And so, you know, there's the practices know who their patients are and what medications they're on or what diets they're on. Yep. I know who's had a heartworm test and who's been in in the last year and you need prevention and I know what you're buying. And there's, there's automated services that will do this marketing for you. Companies that source will do this marketing for you. You know, we'll, we'll send reminder emails that you need to get more medication. And, and here's a link to do that easily. Practices just need to market to their clients that this is available in the same way that the competitors are. Yeah, I, I, I was funny you say that because I was thinking about that today when I, I woke up this morning and I opened up my inbox and I got eight different emails from companies that I haven't really engaged with that are like, do you need this for your pet? Do you need this for your pet? And they're like, they're fishing. They have no idea what I need for my pet. But they're like, we got this thing and we got that thing. And I don't think veterinarians should be that way. But I do think there is a happy ethical medium in between hey, we have these things, but we feel kind of awkward talking to you about them. So we're just not going to say anything and buy some random stuff from us. There's a lot of healthy space between those two things. And I I really think the way I kind of put it to people is uh, my position is I would say that veterinarians have a moral obligation to tell pet owners what we can do for them and to educate them about how we can help keep their pet healthier. And to me, a lot about communicating our services and and as far as home delivery and things like that to make their life easier and to make these things appear as needed, it kind of falls into that. This is a good thing for them and it's a good thing for us category. And so anyway, that, that's, uh, that's just kind of, that's kind of where I am. It sounds like you and I are in a pretty, pretty, pretty similar position there. What you said about, you know, you're getting these emails with just like blanket marketing. Hey, look at all the stuff we have. That's not what we're suggesting. You know, part of our job at data services, right, is to utilize the data in the practice management software to find who's that, you know, canine that he's had an exam and in the last 12 months, he's had a heartworm test. He needs heartworm protection and, uh, you know, he's on this product and, oh, we're going to help that pet owner out and say, hey, Fluffy, you know, still needs their heartworm prevention, you know, just a reminder for you to do this. And yep. It's very specific and it's very personalized and it is a continuation of care for that patient. It is not just, you know, neon signs of yeah. sale, look at all these things, you know? Yeah, and, exactly. And, and so I find I, that to me is a service that I would want to provide my clients. Yeah, it's it's the difference in a in a recommendation from your doctor and just a, a general drive by advertising campaign for whatever happened to be on sale. Like they're radically different things. But that's what the but that's what the competitors are doing, right? Like this, they're kind of like you know out there. I mean, if they're, they're retargeting, they know what you searched for on their on their website, but they don't know your pet and they don't know what's going on with your pet and what medications your pet on and and, and the practices do. And so I think that they have a huge advantage over, over the, some of the other pharmacies and just need to choose to, to compete and, and utilize uh, the services that are available. 
Sure. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for talking through this with me. I really appreciate it. Where can people where can people find you? Where can they learn more about uh, about VetSource, about uh, data services? Yeah. So uh, on VetSource.com, uh, you can learn more about data services and the work that we do for veterinary practices and, and for the industry um, with market research. And then if anybody has any questions or wants to talk about data specifically with me, um, I am on LinkedIn uh, under Sherry Gilmartin. Awesome. Guys, thanks so much for being here. Thanks again, Sherry. Thank you. And that is our episode. Uh, Thanks again to Sherry for being here. Guys, thanks to you for being here. If you got uh, something out of the episode, uh, if if it made you smile, if you you learned something, feel free to share it with your friends who might like it. It's how people find the podcast. Um, You know, always feel free to write us an honest review wherever you get your podcast. That always means the world to me. But gang, take care of yourselves. Be well. I'll talk to you later. Bye.